Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies that you can use to get the breakthrough you're looking for in your life. I'm your host, Dr. Nevada Gray. Joining me is my co-host, Chris Donahue. We're glad that you're joining us today. If you are enjoying our podcast, we invite you to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information is provided for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your own personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet and fitness. Dr. Brian Lenskis is an internal medicine doctor based in San Diego who has focused much of his attention on clinical nutrition. After owning a medical practice with a group of physicians from 2003 to 2020, he launched Low Carb MD San Diego, a metabolic health and direct primary care practice in the summer of 2020. Dr. Lenskis is co-host and founder of the popular Low Carb MD podcast, which has been downloaded more than 3 million times, and he is also a professional speaker. He recently launched Life's Best Medicine, a weekly podcast that shines a light on stories about real people and events that instill feelings of hope, faith, and love. Dr. Lenskis attended UC Irvine and received a Bachelor's of Science in Biology before attending University of Southern California Medical School. After graduating in 1999, he started his residency program at Scripps Mercy Hospital in San Diego and extended his residency for a year to serve as chief resident before starting his private practice career at Internal Medicine Associates in 2004. Dr. Lenskis has been voted one of the top doctors in San Diego for the past 11 years. Even after gaining the respect of the medical community and his patients, Dr. Lenskis felt a void as many patients with chronic conditions became more sick and required more medications. At the same time, Dr. Lenskis battled his own weight gain while following standard medical advice. After attending a low-carb USA conference in San Diego a few years ago, his practice of medicine changed and he took control of his own health. Dr. Lenskis has appeared on many podcasts and has been a speaker on the Nutrition Network educational series for medical professionals. He is also on the panel of advisors for the Low Carb USA Clinical Guidelines for Medical Professionals. It was featured in the documentary Fat Fiction produced by Wide Eye Productions. He is also the medical director for Tri-System Nutrition. In this episode, Dr. Lenskis and I sat down for a doubleheader podcast for Life's Best Medicine and the Mind-Body Breakthroughs. We hope you enjoy our episodes. Thank you for listening today. And as always, be sure to subscribe and leave us a message or a review. We love hearing from you. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I've been hijacked today. Now we're doing a, we're doing a doubleheader on this one podcast. We're... we're, we're combining forces here. And I think this is really valuable. So you are at the right station if you're listening to the Life's Best Medicine podcast. But what other podcast could they possibly be listening to, right? Dr. Nevada Gray, welcome. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Lentz. It's such a pleasure to be here. And yes, this is a double header. Uh, my podcast is the Mind Body Breakthroughs, and I've been wanting to interview you as a guest for the longest time. So this double header is perfect. Yeah, it's so awesome that we can combine forces because you've inspired me having you on the Low Carb MD podcast, and I'm hearing your story going, "Wow, how come we haven't crossed paths yet?" Because your story is powerful and. And I think your story gives hope. So I get to interview you first, I guess. We'll just go back and forth, but I get the first question, right? Um, tell me, when tell people what happened to you and where you were at, just briefly that story. And then when you hit bottom, what happened? How did you, how did you have the strength to go through what you went through? Yeah, so I'll give the short version because the long version was on the Low Carb MD podcast. So short version. I was a kid that grew up with allergies. I was the kid that was always wheezing and just trying to figure out what I could eat. And through process of elimination, I ended up um, adhering to a highly processed diet. I got obese, I gained weight, I developed polycystic ovarian syndrome. So the natural course being interested in science, I went to school for biochemistry, nursing and pharmacy in an attempt to fix my own health. And I just became sicker, badder, and started to actually feel depressed. Um, and I was implementing everything I was learning. Uh, I was eating a high carbohydrate diet, the foods that I could tolerate and eat. I graduated pharmacy school at 220 pounds plus. That was the last time I checked the scale. I'm 5'4". So that was a lot of weight to be carrying around. So I had took drastic measures. I was someone that discipline wasn't a problem. I was always in the gym. I was eating six small meals a day. I was doing the paleo diet. And all this work I was putting in, it did not look like I worked out. It, I was getting no return on my investment. I, it was just very hard. So the paleo diet, I lost 50 pounds after discovering Rob Wolf and implementing that. And then I herniated a disc in my lumbar spine that caused quad equina syndrome. And what that is, it's a rare type of injury to the horse tail of nerves uh, to the spine, that spinal cord that hang off the spinal cord. And it paralyzed me from the waist down. So I had to have uh, emergency surgery that uh, took the pressure off of the horse tail of my spinal cord. And I ended up having sensory and motor issues after that surgery, uh, where I had to learn how to walk again, and just rebuild my life through that process, I discovered the ketogenic diet, discovered low carb, actually reduced my carbohydrates to zero on an elimination diet, and have just been on a journey ever since. Um, I ended up losing 92 pounds, which was amazing. I reversed the polycystic ovarian syndrome I was experiencing, and I've been able to maintain this in a sustainable lifestyle for me uh, to maintain my weight loss, and I had a full recovery from the quad equina syndrome. So that's the that's the short version. Yeah, that's a miracle. I mean, it's a miracle. When I heard your story, I was like, wow, that is um, just unbelievable how you went from that point to where you are now, and and being able to take those steps literally. I mean, tell me what that was like emotionally. Like when you said, look, you couldn't walk and you're going through all that stuff and your, your, your health's at it, its worst point ever. It was, uh, I'll tell you, it was sheer anxiety, uh, a lot of fear. I didn't know what to do. I felt alone because quad equina syndrome is a very rare diagnosis. So there was no protocol. Uh, you know, being in medicine, first thing I did was I Googled my condition, which 
was my rock bottom. I flipped out because I saw people weren't recovering. Uh, my neurosurgeon was very hopeful that I would have a full recovery. So of course I had him emergency paged after I Googled my condition, which he told me, do not Google your condition. So I, of course I had to, uh, I had him paged and he's like, nope, I think you can have full recovery, focus on your rehab. And I'm like, what more can I do? And he's like, just focus on your rehab and we're going to hope for a full recovery. So in an effort to encourage myself, I went on YouTube and I found uh, people that had beat the odds and I discovered the ketogenic diet and just started developing my own protocol as a means to empower myself and to control my own anxiety. Um, one thing that I did was uh, I opened my Bible and really leaned on uh, my faith, which had kind of fallen by the wayside as, as life you know, goes on and, and life is happening. You kind of, it's something that's kind of there that you grew up, um, you know, learning about the faith, but never really implementing um, or opening your Bible until you're at rock bottom in, you know, a catastrophic situation where you're not able to walk and you're, you're losing your body function and everything you took for granted from going to the bathroom to taking a shower to being able to walk across your living room. Um, you're, you're just not able able to do. So as a means to kind of control um, my anxiety, and I'm not a person that struggled with anxiety or depression. Um, I decided, okay, I'm going to, you know, I just started reading my Bible. I started um, a certificate program for personal training to be able to be in control to understand what was happening in my rehab. I just started empowering myself with the literature, watching lectures on uh, scientists and doctors that were studying my problem, uh, which was a nerve injury. What, what, how could ketosis benefit me? Reaching out to people that could teach me and help me do a properly formulated ketogenic diet because I was doing this for a medical reason to save the horse cell in my spinal cord. So the emotional component and trying to have some semblance of control when you felt out of control uh, those were some things that I did. I, I worked towards a goal. I started leaning into my faith, um, reading the Bible, because the Bible's loaded with stories of imperfect people that had catastrophic things happen in their life. And then on the other side, there was a miracle. And I was believing for myself that I was going to have a miracle, that there had to be something on the other side of this. So reading those stories and reading stories of people that beat the odds coming back from catastrophic um, circumstances was something that really empowered me and helped calm my mind and get me through uh, the first few weeks after my surgery. That's critical stuff. You know, I think that's one, that's, that's the reason I'm doing this podcast is you say, gosh, how do you get through those bottom times? Right. Cause you know, I, I just went for a bike ride with my buddy and at a place I love it, you go over this bridge and uh, it's a, whenever I go over that bridge, I feel peace and hope I'm going to this little peninsula. That's just, I always have fun and great time. And then it dawned on me when I was riding, I looked and I'm like, at that mid span, how many people have given up all hope and jumped off that bridge, right? That place where I find peace, they found you know, they had no hope. And in your case, when you hit the bottom and you have no hope, and I think this is the thing that on Twitter, I can't explain it and you can't explain it. It's hard to say, what is faith? What does that mean? Prove it to me. It's like, you just know it when you have it. And I think that's why I want stories like yours too, of people who've lost all hope and they've lost all faith. And they, they think the world's always going to be dark and they're never going to be able to go outside and see their family and friends. Like at this time, your story is critical. And that's why, you know, 
like what happened did you feel something did you just know or did you just like the, the power of hope is is so underestimated like we don't appreciate it enough like when you when you to me hell is the lack of hope you know suicide is the lack of hope when you think things can never get better so you know there's a lot of people saying well if i couldn't walk does it matter that you know my payment's a little late or i you know i don't have that new ferrari right exactly and um you know in opening my bible i ended up chancing upon uh because i was homebound at the time you know kind of like how we are right now in this pandemic i i couldn't drive i couldn't go anywhere i was just stuck in my home and so i had a lot of time to spend on youtube and i found td jakes uh just this sermon and uh it was actually I discovered him when I was in the hospital uh, because my roommate had had a stroke. So I was on the neuro floor after my surgery. My roommate had had a stroke and I had emergency back surgery. I didn't know if I was going to be able to walk again. So I was just on YouTube trying to calm my mind because that was uh, a terrible 24 hours in my life. And I found this sermon by TD Jakes called Nothing Just Happens. And I had that on repeat over and over. And I'm like, okay, nothing just happens. This is happening for a reason. And my roommate said, can you turn that up? I need to hear that too. And uh, we listened to the sermon on repeat uh, because our lives were both changing in drastic ways. And nothing just happens. Um, Everything happens for a reason. Like this was meant to teach me something. So when I opened my Bible, when I got home and, you know, found TD Jakes on YouTube and started listening to the regular uh, sermons, one of the things I appreciated so much about him was his raw uh, and just authentic nature of taking real life circumstances and showing you that there is hope and that there is something on the other side that you can get through this. And what, what are you meant to you know, learn from this experience? And how is this experience kind of callousing you and moving you and aligning you into your purpose? Because so many times we get um, you know, taken away from our purpose. And that's one question I, I wanted to ask you because you have an amazing journey uh, yourself. You, you know, in realigning with your own purpose and almost reinventing yourself, um, you know, discovering low carb nutrition and going out on faith and opening your own practice. Um, what was that like for you? How, how did you navigate that? Yeah, you know, I think what I've learned in life is when I'm called to something, I have to obey at some point that like God's saying, look, Brian, like, like you know, the, the joke about the lady says, God's going to save me. And all these people try to save her. She goes, God's going to save me. Yeah, I don't need your help. And then she ends up drowning. It's like, well, I sent like 30 people to help you. And it kind of got to that point where I was looking at it saying, look, I'm a healer. I want to help people. The greatest times of my life are have been in the jungles of Guatemala, right? Or, or in El Salvador where people are very poor. And, and I love being a doctor there because people are appreciative and they love you and they, they're, they're kind and they want to give you a chicken or something to pay you, you know, and they, you know, that kind of stuff where you realize, man, there, there's, we're missing something in America. And as a doctor working 14 hour days all the time, you know, stress, tense, I was my worst self in that place. You know, one of my only employees is now work with me here. And it's like, we're amazed by it. We were tense and stressed. It was always like a, a triage unit, busy, booked out for a year. And just going through the mill, I'm like, I'm a healer and I can't take care of myself. I'm not, I know low carb. And then I couldn't teach people because I didn't have time to teach them. And I didn't have time to sit and talk about their kids and wife and all that because there's, there was this, 
doctor, there's three people waiting. Doctor, hurry. It's like always, I was on a treadmill too fast for, for 14, for 17 years, finally. And then, you know, I came across low carb and I started, wow. And then I started losing. My story is like yours. I mean, I could just replay what you said. Working out, you know, six days a week, eating low carb. I mean, not low carb, uh, uh, high carb, you know, the, the, the recommendations, green shakes, fruit, you know, whatever. And I'm gaining weight. <laughs> and so I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm gaining weight. I'm not taking care of myself. And then I go low carb. I lose 30 pounds right away. And then my patients are asking me about it. Then I, you know, then I felt an obligation. It's kind of like spiritually, you feel an obligation is like, look, this can help you. I have the medicine that might help you, but you don't want to take it. So that was it. And I realized like 80% of the people really didn't care. And they just want to do their own thing. And they said, look, just give me a pill. Give me this, you know, give me something to lose weight. It's like, well, you can exercise and change your lifestyle. So I think that's it. And, and, I just started seeing the writing on the wall and, and how the Lord works. I, I developed a mold allergy in the building, started getting hives and getting like, I was like, Job, everything was going wrong. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And so I started seeing it. And then I reassessed my life. I'm saying, okay, where's my peace? What do I enjoy? Being home with my family, right? Loving my wife, sleeping in. I would, I would get up at 4.30 every morning, run to the hospital, just, just nonstop all day. And every day I'd get home, my wife said, how was your day? I'm like, it was brutal. Today was brutal. <laughs> now I come home and go, oh my gosh, let me tell you about my day. I'm excited. So one day she said to me, Brian, you know what? When you go to Guatemala, you work the same hours and you come back and you tell me stories for weeks about all the experiences you had and how awesome it was. But when you come home every day, you're burned out and tired, right? Because I was like, I'm getting beaten down because I spent three hours a day on the computer trying to make the insurance company happy. So during my journey of low carb MD and all that, I started developing a, a, uh, uh, a following basically. So people are like, why are you doing this? Go, go do what you're called to do. I'm like, yeah, but I have a sure income for the rest of my life. I can, uh, you know, retire and, you know, I'll make good. I was making good money. So at the same time, I went to low carb Boca and had an experience there with people and started realizing like what's important, what matters. So you do run yourself in the ground. You never have downtime. You don't, you don't see your friends. As a matter of fact, before I went to Boca Raton, a good friend of mine texts me and says, are you still mad at me? We've been friends since third grade. He was my best man. I was his. He's like, I'm mad at you. I text him. What do you mean mad at you? He goes, you know, we haven't had dinner. And it was like, we haven't had dinner together in three years. We haven't talked in a year. I was like, you're kidding me. Like, it was like news to me, but it's like every week I was surviving and the weekend I was catching up on the work from the week before getting ready for the next week. And it was one of those things I think a lot of people can identify. And I said, it's not worth it anymore. And Kobe Bryant died. And I thought he had all the money in the world. How much would he have given of his money to be with his wife and kids for another day? Am I not willing to do that? And so I ultimately resigned from my job. I go, look, I just can't do this. They're like what? You're going through a midlife crisis. Are you going to buy a sports car? What's wrong with you? You're, you're leaving a stable practice where you're the number one income earner and you're not grateful. I'm like, it's not that I'm not grateful as I have no life. I take, like when I do my volunteer work in Guatemala, it would take me two weeks before I left to get ready and three weeks after to start, And I would be miserable away from my family and working, you know, 20 hour days and just trying to take care of people. So I was like, you're not taking care of yourself. So the Lord just spoke to me and said, time to go. And all these doors opened up. And so basically the story is like, it's crazy. I went in just to really, really what I said is, look, I need to have a full-time nurse practitioner to help me because I can't handle this load anymore. I cannot give good care to all these people because I had 2000 patients, over 2000 patients. Now I have 250 to, to put in perspective. So now I can provide excellent care and not be in a rush and, and I could pr practice medicine. So they said, no, we're not going to have a nurse practitioner. We don't have enough room. I said, okay, then I'm going to resign when my contract's up in July. And this is in January. <laughs> and, 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 and I was surprised. He goes, okay, then go ahead and resign. I was like, okay, I will. And, I, and no one thought that it was really going to happen. 
And I went in my office and I said a quick prayer and the Lord said, look, Brian, um, and I felt like, cause of what I felt like is I was standing on the edge of the grand Canyon and I'm standing there. It's like, you're going to step or not. Do you have the courage to step or not? So I was like, he goes, take the step and I'll put dirt under your feet. I'm like, all right, but take a step dirt under my feet. So I could visualize this and that's what's happened. He's put dirt under my feet. And, you know, despite myself, we've been doing well and, and it's a work. I'm still making less money than I did before, but man, I'll having a cup of coffee with my wife in the morning, sleeping in, letting her get out of bed before me. Sometimes now I was up in, at dark and I got home at dark. So some of us going through life are reassessing, going, do you need the money that bad? Well, why are you doing it? <laughs> you know? So that was my story in a nutshell. And, and I love what I do. That's why I'm passionate because I love that I could spend an hour and explain this to them without being forced to, to see 30 patients a day, right? Because now I can spend time and I can impact you. And then once I teach you, then you don't need me anymore. You go off and fly, right? You, can, you, can, you, you don't see me very often. So it's a model that works for me and it works for the patient because I have a ton of patients who have full coverage with an HMO in town and they come to me, they pay cash to see me. Um, why, why do you do that? You have full coverage. They go, they're not helping me. They just give me another drug. They don't tell me to stop drinking soda. They don't tell me how to get better. And, and, and that's kind of your experience too. And, and that's what's sad about the medical um, community is that that's what we become We're, because the poor doctor is a cog in the wheel. And, that's why the physician suicide rate is the highest of any profession right now, right? We passed dentists for the first time, I think, in history because we go in to save the world and then we realize we're not. And that has to be your experience as a pharmacist too, seeing that um, professionally, you know, what's happening to people. Yes, I think burnout is so real for a lot of the professions. And I think the pharmacists actually had a pretty high suicide rate a few years ago. I remember. Yeah, you're up there that. too. You're on the list. I just, yeah. Yes, I remember yeah. reading that a, a few years ago. And for a lot of um, our peers that may be feeling like they're in a hostage situation at all times, which is the only term I, I, I can think of it, um, that are looking to step out on faith and, um, you know, start their own practice. How did you manage the, what I would imagine would be the anxiety and the, and the ebb and flow? How, how did you manage that? that transition? What were some of the strategies um, when you'd have moments of doubt? Like, am I making the right decision? Um, how, how did you go about navigating that? And yeah. also, and also recovering from the burnout? Yeah, you know, I don't think I ever burned out. I think I was on the path to burnout. I love my patients. I love when that door closed the exam room and I'm one on one, the patient love it. That's what I'm called to do. That's my life. That's what I love. But it's the volume, right? The volume is a problem. So yeah, for me, what happened is on the way back from Boca Raton, I got to the airport and it was packed with people. And this is right before COVID was happening. We just didn't know it yet. Packed. It's in January. And it was around when Kobe died, actually. That's my marker. And so I, I was in the airport. I'm thinking, these guys are crazy. They have way more seats out here. Like they don't have enough seats and they know how many people are getting on the plane. So they should have enough seats to accommodate. So it was packed. Everyone's on top of each other sitting on the floor. And it was crazy. And then the plane was 100% full. So the flight attendants were stressed out. They're trying to rush people through. And then they go, you got to check their bags. So they were, they were just free. It was a hectic situation. And I was thinking, hmm, this is kind of like my office. I had a very busy office. I'm like, this is what my exam room, this is my waiting room looks like. And it's crazy. And then the, the, the flight attendant didn't say, have a nice flight. Now that she's like, hurry, here, get this. And it was just like, get people through. And I'm like, this is what medicine's become. And so then I got on the plane and one of the flight attendants is having fun time and she's really sweet and nice and kind. The other one was really bitter and burned out. And I was looking at her, I'm like, she hates her job. She hates it. And the other one's like, oh, nice shoes. Where are you going? Are you going to be in San Diego? Go to this restaurant. And she was just very kind. And I'm like, I don't want, I want to be the kind person. I don't want to be the other one. And then the other one gets up to make the announcement. And she's saying, you know, talking about how to save your life. And when the plane's going to crash type thing. 
and no one's listening. I look around, no one's listening. I'm like, no wonder she's burned out. No one listens to her. She's trying to save their lives and no one's listening. And I thought, oh, maybe that's me because I'm sorry. <laughs> and then she says, put on your own oxygen mask. I was like, yeah, she's right. I should put on my own oxygen mask. But I don't because I'm too busy trying to worry about everything else. And then I'm thinking, the, the flight attendant's thinking, okay, when the plane's going to crash, you're all going to be coming to me to help you. And that's how I felt as a doctor because it's like I could tell people, look, you're going to get diabetes and they don't listen to this full-blown diabetes. Then I got to come in the middle of the night to the hospital to save them, right? So those kind of things, you start looking at it. And then the other thing is, believe it or not, sitting there in the, on the flight, I was thinking, oh my gosh. And I was even thinking about resigning from my office. I knew it was bad and I wasn't happy, but it wasn't at that point. And then uh, on the plane, I, I was supposed to speak at Tro's conference in, in New York. And I text him, I go, Tro, you know, I don't want to talk on the topic you gave me. Can I talk about physician burnout? I really feel called to do that because I think it's a problem. And he texts me back. He's like, oh my gosh, Brian, he calls me. I'm like, Tro, I just landed. I'm getting off the plane. So we're talking on the phone and I walked right by the pilot. And then I, as I walked by, I thought, you know what? The pilot put his life on the line for me, studied all those years. He's away from his family. He put his life at risk to get me here safely. And I expect him to land the plane safely. And I was thinking, hmm, that's how I feel as a doctor. It's like, I could have said, hey, thank you so much for your expertise, but we don't. Like, they don't thank the pharmacist for all the work you do to do what you're doing, but they're like, why do I have to wait so long? Because I've seen how mean people are in the pharmacy too. So you think, man, I don't want to be that person. So I luckily got out. I think God led me out before I got burned out. You know, I knew I was burned out physically, but emotionally, I still loved the time with the patients. But now it's like on steroids because I can really help them. And I see the appreciation. I see them come in and go, look, I lost 15 pounds. Look, my blood pressure is better. And they're excited. They're happy to see me. They're not like hiding their weight going, oh, no, I got to see him again. You know, that kind of thing. And they're sicker and I have to throw more drugs. And the cure to burnout this year is the first year in my career that people lost weight during the holidays. 98% of my people lost weight. The most weight gain was 1.5 pounds. And that will come off in a day or two. No biggie. And I added no drugs. I did not add anyone on insulin. As a matter of fact, one of my patient's wife's called and said, hey, uh, I have all these insulin and insulin syringes. Do you want them? My husband doesn't need it anymore. I go, I have no need for it. I'm not planning on putting anyone on insulin. <laughs> so maybe another doctor. I, and seriously, we had this conversation. I said, I can hand it off to another doctor who's going to use it. I'm not going to use it. It's going to go bad in my office. <laughs> right? It's crazy. But, but, but that tells you something about what we can do and to see and I'll tell you another thing. I, I heard another physician say, you know, there's RAF code. So it's coding for the sickness of the patient. And I actually heard a physician say, oh my gosh, this is great. Uh, and I heard someone say, what? what's great? Oh, my patient has metastatic liver cancer. Do you know how much I get paid for that? Right? That is inhumanity. That is insane. That tells you it's insanity. And I also realized part of that system is that the sicker my patient gets, the more I get paid. The more diagnosis codes I put down, the more I get paid. There's a conflict of interest there because I don't want to put down a lot. I want to take a, a, a diagnosis off. I don't want to give you more meds. I want to take them off. I don't get paid more to take you off meds, but I'm saving the system by doing that. So what I realized is to keep people healthy or prevent disasters, it takes way more time. And that took time away from my family. And 80% of the time, people weren't listening. So I said, what am I doing here? You start, see, you know, I'm like the burned out flight attendant going, no one's listening to me until it's a disaster. So that's basically, the, that's what led me on my path. Yes. And so many people are listening to you now through your low carb MD podcast. And one of the things that I appreciate about you and, and Dr. Tro is how you've not only empowered your patients with hope, uh, you've also empowered your peers uh, through education. And the Low Carb MD podcast is one of my favorite podcasts, um, as well as uh, Life's Best Medicine podcast. And I wanted to ask you, um, which 
some questions came in uh, when I posted that I was going to have you on the podcast is um, from listeners, uh, empowered patients, and also empowered doctors that are looking to learn more information. Um, your, the outcomes that you're having at your clinic are amazing and they're providing so much hope for people. And I was wondering if you could speak to some of the outcomes that you're seeing. A lot of the chronic illness uh, related to insulin resistance um, is actually reversible and the general public may not know this information. So I was just wondering if you could speak to what you're seeing in your practice and how you went about empowering yourself in what the literature showed um, to be able to empower your patients, um, resources that uh, physicians or providers could look at more into this topic. Yeah, I think it's important. There's great resources out there. I love dietdoctor.com. Actually, there's a lot of resources there. Ketomojo.com. It's a it's a, a glucometer and a ketone meter, but they have a ton of great information there. Um, there's so many great resources everywhere. Gary Taubes, you know, Jason Fung, you know, there's so many, I can, I can name a million, but for me, it really comes down to, look, we're told someone has diabetes, talk about lifestyle, right? But we don't really talk about lifestyle. We say, when that doesn't work, then we have all these drugs. No one talks about lifestyle because they say, well, just they say exercise more and eat less. That's it. That's what we were doing. You and I were doing that and we were failing. So we, that was, that system was failing us. So that's why when I started to have success, I said, oh, then, then I had a moral dilemma. I said, okay, it's working, but this isn't the standard of care. I practice the standard of care medicine. So now it's like, oh, you're like a, you're a sheep that's outside of the pack, right? And that's the one who's going to get picked off because you're, you're going against standard advice. But then you see people getting better and healthier and doing, and really the one who led, a patient led me because I listened. The patient said, I fast two days a week and I lost all this weight and I reversed all my stuff. I said, that doesn't make sense because if you don't eat on Tuesday, you must be starving on Wednesday. No, I'm not really hungry because he was, it's insulin resistance. He was getting his insulin better. And so when we all work together and say, look, let me support you through this. I have the tools. Let's do it together. So for me, I could be the smartest doctor in the world without a, a willing patient or someone who doesn't trust me. Forget it. Right. And if I have 10 minutes as, as a doctor, I cannot convince you and teach you. I can't do it. You, no one, no matter how smart you are, you can't. So either we do group meetings and say, okay, I'm going to talk to people about that. And that's what I was planning on doing. Or I say, look, give me more time. And I realized that the, the real huge thing, that's why Boca Raton uh, changed my life. As I was there and a lady came up to me uh, in the, at, at the, and Rob Sivas, who's one of the smartest guys I know, just gave a talk. And I realized I was, we're just talking life. And I realized this lady was waiting and I talked to Rob. I said, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to have dinner with him in an hour. So I don't need to talk to him now because he, he great lecture talking about um, burnout. And he talked about like just sitting there and being and, and, and for Rob Saib as a high power surgeon to talk about that kind of blew me away. Anyways, the lady said, no, I'm from Mexico city. And I flew here to meet you, Dr. Lenskis. And I said, what? <laughs> I didn't even talk to you. I'm like, how do you know who I am? She goes, I listened to your podcast, saved my life and my husband. And when they all lost weight and they came off insulin, all this stuff got better. And I thought, huh. I could be there with 20 patients a day and listen, and this person in Mexico City that I've never met that I have no relationship with, life's better. And then I hear people that were on, you know, they go, I listened to you on the tractor. I listened to you when I'm out working out. I love, and I love it. I've had people say, I lost all the 200 pounds because I listened to you when I go hiking. I listened to you doing, and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Because I was thinking, you know, like I had the opportunity to meet Zuby. I go, Zuby, I work out with you all the time now, man. Thanks, right? Because his music is in my head and I, I want this positive message in my brain. So I think that thing, when you realize, man, how much of an impact can I have to talk to you? How many people of what you and I are talking about now, it's giving, right? Your story gives someone hope who's sitting in a hot right now. That, that story, and it, it, it gets me, Jimmy, a one of my first guests here, 
he was in the hospital with a sugar of 600, morbidly obese, they, and they were giving him orange juice and all this stuff and in the hospital, and he knew it was wrong. But someone said, someone who loved him said, listen to this podcast. You know, I don't want to offend you, but listen to Low Carb MD. And then now he's off meds and he's doing great and his life's changed. Now he could go out and preach and do what he's called to do. Otherwise, he was heading towards an amputation. You know what I mean? So when you hear that, you think, man, that we're called to a greater purpose. And the reality was with low carb MD, I realized I can't talk about faith and all these important things because I don't want to uh, make someone hostage because they want to hear low carb. We'll talk low carb over there. But I wanted this to be a place where they can hear your story where you go, look, I opened my mind and it got me through that hard time because faith is such a hard thing. I can't prove it to you and you can't prove it to someone, but all you can say, here's my story. And this is what helped me get through. So when people want to take faith from each other, it bothers me because Hey, if that's what gives you strength and that's what is, even if it's hocus pocus and no one believes it and it's not true, if that gives you strength, I'm not going to tell you it's wrong. <laughs> and if you believe in, you know, that the power of the rock makes you feel better, cool. Right. That, but DD Jakes and all these people like his, that sermon saved you <laughs> in more ways than one, I think maybe, but, but in a way of saying, okay, there's hope and I can do this. And this doesn't just happen for a reason. That's for me. I think the same way people say, well, that's just a coincidence. I'm like the coincidence of this, 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 and Boca, my partner, who is my partner here now in Boca Raton, we both weren't supposed to go. And it was a last minute. I was a fill in speaker type thing. And she was, she, you know, she got the day off at the last minute and came in. And so it's like, okay, that was a coincidence. Or was it supposed to, right? You and I crossing paths, whatever it is. I mean, we all have an influence. Like you're saying, it's not just happened, you know, and it's hard to explain that away. It's more energy to explain it away than, than say, Hey, God's good. God brought that person in my life when I needed them at that second, they said the right thing that got me through. And that's what you're doing. Yes, you know, and so I what, wanna... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, I get asked you a question too. Now again, I, I, I want to be back to my podcast for a minute. Cause I want to hear your stuff. Like, how do you get through it now when you're, when you're at the pharmacy and people are nasty and mean to you and, and, and demanding, how do, how do you deal with that? I just, one thing that I do is I kind of set healthy boundaries uh, because I realize that, especially during the current pandemic, people are um, living very fear-based. Um, people's lives have been turned upside down. And having had a rare illness, I understand how your life can be turned upside down and you don't know what to do. And you have to now navigate this chronic illness of medication and, you know, bills that you didn't expect. And a lot of people have anxiety and can become depressed and defeated. So one way that I, that I handle my job is I focus on what I can do, uh, who I can help, and just try to, you know, have empowered myself through my education and my training to give people the best information uh, possible to navigate them in, in the direction based on, you know, their belief. I noticed, um, especially during the pandemic, a lot of people are reflecting on their lives and they're reflecting on their purpose in their jobs and they're in transition where, where a population in, in transition right now. Um, and I think one thing is to kind of step outside of the situation and just not take things personally. Um, that's, I read a great book called The Four Agreements, and that was one of the pieces of advice is just not take things personally because a lot of uh, people's behavior is not about you. It's about their own inner struggle. It's about, you know, they may not even like themselves. Um, it has nothing to do with them liking you. It's There's that internal struggle um, inside. And unfortunately, you can't work that out for people. They have to do that um, on their own. So I think approaching people from a point of empathy and compassion 
and, and realizing, um, you know, the deep seated fear that a lot of that behavior manifests as, um, it has made me a better provider. And also having gone through what I went through, having to navigate, um, you know, my own journey and my own recovery, I really appreciate the struggle that patients have to go through uh, when they need a medication, when they're in chronic pain, um, when they're having to rehab themselves after a major surgery. Before, that was something I couldn't relate to. I, I just related to someone that was always struggling with their weight, trying to lose weight, the yo-yo dieting, you know, trying to figure that out. But when I had this experience happen to me, I, I understood more the struggle of my patients. So that's how I navigate it. And um, not, not everybody is nasty um, in pharmacy. Uh, we, we do have, you know, a lot of really good people um, that truly do care. Um, so I tend to focus on the good uh, versus, um, you know, the, the negative aspects of it, because if you only focus on the negative, that's what you're going to attract to yourself. That's, that's, what's going to grow. That's going to manifest. That's all you're going to see. Um, for me, when this experience happened to me and I had to learn to walk again, I shifted my mindset to a focus of what can I do? Um, what do I want to see? Who do I want to be in the world? What do I want my contribution to be? Um, we interviewed Dr. Chris Palmer and he uh, talked about realigning with your sense of purpose and what gives you purpose in life. Because when you're on your deathbed, do you want to look back and regret that you did not go for it, that you did not you know, learn this skill or reach out to that person or take that leap of faith. Um, and that's not who I wanted to be, you know, in my life. So I evolved my practice into around, around what I could do, focused on, you know, the, the people that I could help, uh, where I could make the most impact. And that's how I navigate um, through my day. Yeah, I think that's critical because that's my feeling too. Because, you know, I feel like people say, why are you smiling? Because I'm cheating the system. Why? Because people who come to me are seeking me out for what I do, right? I'm not trying to convince them all the time. I say, look, you might want, I have patients just yesterday. I go, look, she's a pharmacist. Actually, I go, look, I can help you. Please <laughs> listen to me. Trust me. What you're doing is going to cause problems. And I see the road you're on and I want to help you. Um, because saying, oh, I just keep doing, it's the same thing as sin or whatever. Say, oh, I'll just keep doing what you're doing. It's going to be fine. If you see someone heading towards a cliff, you go, look, dude, you're going towards a cliff. Here's what's coming. I'm telling you, I have life experience. And in your case too, it, it's the same thing of being able to have that compassion. And the thing I love you said is, is that you can't help everyone and I can't, but the ones I can, I will, right? It's like, you know, that story about the, the silver dollar or the, the, um, starfish washing up on the beach and people the guys throwing them back in the water he's like why are you doing that there's millions of them you can't help them all he goes but i can help that one right so i think a lot of us lose track of that and i think you know i would love to hear this from my perspective uh you know what are doctors like when they call you at the pharmacy because i i see a lot of doctors talk very nasty to the pharmacist adversarial and it's funny because I always try to be extra nice because the, they could put you on hold for an hour or two. You know, nowadays we have electronic and it makes things easier for all of us, I think, because you can't read our writing anyways. That's the problem. But I've seen the disrespect. I was like, I want this now, brother. He's just screaming at the pharmacist like, hey, they're just doing their job. Leave them alone. Or the drug reps, they treat them with disrespect. Like, be nice to them. They're just doing their job. Leave them alone. The drug reps don't even talk. They don't even come to my office anymore because I'm, I'm not a good market for them. But, you know, what is that like and in, in, in the interactions with, with healthcare professionals that you deal 
I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done in how we treat each other. I see lots of clashes, you know, I, I was also a registered nurse, so I would see the clashes between pharmacists and nurses, doctors and nurses, yeah. um, pharmacists and nurses, pharmacists and doctors. And I think that a lot of that is a manifestation of the burnout that, uh, and the stress that a lot of us are under. Because I think in, a, in, you know, real life outside of work, you know, you would never think to treat somebody um, like that. And, um, you know, I, I definitely do see that. I think a lot of work has to be done, but I think that that work has to be, you know, within yourself and, um, you know, trying to understand, um, you know, the perspective from where, where the provider um, is calling from, because there is a lot of frustration. Um, there's a lot of navigation with insurance companies uh, trying to get the best, you know, medications covered for your patient, uh, you know, delays um, with, you know, prior authorizations and, and all of those things. It's, it's frustration on every level from, you know, the patient, the pharmacist, the doctor, uh, the nurse. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that it comes from, you know, a root of being, you know, overworked and trying to help as many people in the shortest amount of time as possible. Uh, because unfortunately, we're timed on everything. Um, yeah. So I, I think that that's where that comes from. And I definitely think that um, hopefully this year is a lesson in that we all need to work together uh, in, in medicine for the betterment of our patients. Yeah. And in life, you know, I can, I, you know, it's embarrassing to say this, but I've had times where, you know, I'm there and I'm so busy. I know how much, you know, I'm not going to get home till late that night. And I have all kinds of crazy stuff going on by my lot. My patient's five minutes late and throws me off schedule the rest of the afternoon. And I'm annoyed. And then someone comes in like a staff member goes, Oh, let me show you my grandkids. I'm like, dear Lord, I don't have time to hear your grand. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to have a story. I want to go home. I want to go home. I don't want to be here. So, but that comes off as an attitude. It's Cause I see certain people like, Oh no, they're going to want to talk to me right now. I don't have time. I don't want to, as a matter of fact, times my wife would text me or something like, Oh gosh, dang it. I don't, the person I love more than anything on earth, I'm thinking. So now I call her go, Hey, what are you doing? She's like, it's the middle of the day. What are you doing? I had a break. Wow, you doing? So, you know, those kind of things where we have time when you don't have time for the most important things. Um, it's, 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 it's demoralizing and it's not good for our health, you know? And I think that's the thing is this podcast and your podcast too. Um, we, we say, how do we help people to live better lives? What can I do from my knowledge base? So what, what now it's my turn to ask a question. What's your, uh, what, what motivates you to, to do the podcast? So what motivated me to start the podcast um, was the response that I got through my Instagram. So I just, I'm a shy person, kind of introverted. So I never would have put myself out on social media the way that I did. But the reason I did it was because I wanted to connect with other people that were struggling with Quadra Aquinas syndrome. And it was my only way to be able to speak and connect with doctors and scientists that were working on my problem. And so much information was given to me freely that helped me. In, in my recovery that I don't think I would have had the recovery I had without it. And I'm so grateful for that. So in sharing what I was learning, and I never considered myself an expert or that an authority figure, I always associated myself and related to being the empowered patient that was right down there in the trenches. You know, I, I intimately relate to a lot of my uh, patients and the struggles uh, that they have. So I I consider myself right down there in the trenches, you know, searching for these answers and searching for this information that can help me in my journey or that may be a key um, to my journey, you know, to be able to, you know, fix myself. 
So I found that a lot of people were being helped by what I was sharing and finding resources and people were messaging me, hey, I, I lost 100 pounds. Hey, my arthritis has gotten better. Um, I had people messaging me with quadriceps aquinas syndrome that said, hey, I went keto right after my surgery and I was able to recover uh, my bladder or my, you know, my bla bladder and bowel symptoms have gotten better. My digestion has gotten better. Um, I'm, you know, cut down my medications in half for the nerve pain I'm having. So I saw that people were being helped by this. So I decided I'm going to put myself out there and just start a podcast and reach out to the people that you know, so graciously um, assisted me in my journey and see if they would come on and share their work and their research. And to my surprise, um, a lot of people would come on and, and right now, you know, our podcast is, is, has been growing organically and becoming more popular. When I was first starting out, I had maybe a hundred listeners um, and, you know, people would be like, yes, I'd love to come on your podcast. And I'm like, oh, wow, we're such a little podcast. You're coming on my podcast. This is great. And then it just started, you know, to be shared throughout the community. And, um, you know, people were um, gathering resources from this. And then another cool thing is I love connecting people with people. So I Me was too. able- We're the I same. Was, I love it. Yeah, I, love I was it able too. to connect people. And then I would interview a guest and I would interview another guest that was working on this project. I'm like, oh, these two people need to meet. So then I would send little introductory emails. Um, and then I would see them work, work together and do this collaboration. And I'm like, yes, you know, as, That's great. as, as an empowered patient, I, you know, I, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm benefiting from this too. But also, um, you know, the community is benefiting from this as well. So that was the inspiration behind the podcast. And I, I truly love podcasting. I still can't believe like we just talked, um, you know, I just had a chance to interview Dr. Alessio Fasano, who has done amazing things for patients with celiac disease. He has a new book coming out about the gut microbiome. And I'm like, wow, I cannot believe he agreed to come on my podcast. And I had a chance to talk to him. And I forgot I was on my own podcast. I, I was just so into what he was saying. I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to ask the next question. Um, but it, it's so rewarding. And then I've had providers uh, reach out to me that, um, you know, they're like, wow, I never knew this information. I researched it more, you know, thank you for providing that information. So it, it's been very rewarding. What made you start your podcast? I'm crazy, I guess. I don't know. For me, I saw that. I thought, you know, I'm doing low carb and I was seeing, I really saw Gary Fetke, what he went through, Tim Noakes, what he went through and, and their stories are worth anyone looking up and, and seeing what, what they went through for standing up for what was right. And I thought if these guys are going to stand up for right, I, I really have a calling to do that. I want to do the right thing. And it's helping me and it's helping my patient. I had, I had 11 patients come off insulin in six months, right? And you can't unsee that. And I thought, holy cow. I mean, even one of the drug reps goes, we don't, we don't, like I said, do you want a signature? She said, we, we don't, uh, you're not, you're off our list. What drug are you writing? And I said, I'm taking my patients off insulin. And she said, no, really? Like, right. You can't take people off insulin. I said, you're right. I can't, but they can. If I empower them and help them and support them, they can, and they do. <laughs> and it's like very dust to them. They think I'm nuts. And then it's like, they're not calling them anymore. So that I'll take that as a compliment. But, you know, with the podcast, I, I, I really, it, really what happened is I wanted to give a talk on low carbon keto uh, and it was going to be at a church. And so I thought, you know, I would like to, if I'm going to give this talk, I'm going to have people there. So I reached out to the two keto dudes and I said, hey guys, uh, no, I, I, on their, they had a forum and I said, hey, can I, I'm giving this talk. Can I say something about it? Would that be okay? 
and they go, what are you selling? And I was like, I'm not selling anything. I'm just doing a talk. Brett Schur, who's the, the head of diet doctor, you know, the, the medical director of diet doctor, myself, and a couple other docs in town and, and, and healthcare providers and, and uh, a trainer. We all give this week long or, or like six weeks long lecture. We, one of us would talk one week and so, and it grew and it got crazy. And, but they said, yeah, why don't you come on the podcast and talk about it? I said, really? You don't know who I am. I could be nuts. I go, we kind of looked at your background. So I got to go on two keto dudes. So that was, an, and they said, you should do it. We need a doctor doing this stuff. And I'm like, ah, I'm not the right guy. I'm not, cause I'm like you more of an introvert. I'm, I'm not the big talker generally, even though people don't believe that. Um, because I love this because I'm excited. So, um, I started and I go, yeah, maybe I should do a podcast because people are getting better. I'm seeing this and I became friends with Doug Reynolds at Low Carb USA and I'm seeing what he's doing and I'm seeing, you know, like Dr. Palmer, I'm seeing Dr. Georgia E, all these different areas of, that are helping people with this. I'm like, how can we not talk about this? So if I'm doing this kind of medicine, really part of it was I don't want to be the only one doing it. I want to so, show that there's because from a medical legal standpoint, you have to be within the standard of care, even though the standard of care is terrible. So I said, okay, if I make this the standard of care, how do I do that? Reach out to other doctors. Say, hey, there's a, this guy, this nutty guy, Jason Fung's doing the same thing. There's Andy Fung doing this thing. All these people, all the Philip Ovedia now, and we have people all over doing this medicine with success. <laughs> so if you come after me, guess what? I have a whole army of people. It's not just me. It's, I'm just not Gary Fetke, and I'm not just Tim Noakes, who fought it and won, by the way, because they were justified, right? So that's the thing is when you see it, they go, there's power in numbers. How do we get numbers? Make the numbers happen and share our experience. So when they realize Brian's not just some crazy guy who says he cures diabetes, which I, I don't say, I just say we could put it into permanent remission um, or we could improve it or we could taper your medicines. It, it's a scientific fact. There's, it's not my opinion anymore. So I think the more people do go, yeah, I'm doing the same thing over here in Texas. I'm doing it here in Nevada. And, and so there's people all over doing this kind of medicine. So I said, and plus that I wanted to give a voice to people who like doctors, not famous people, but people who are doing this, like, look at this cool doctor who doesn't have a platform. Let's, I got a platform. Let me give you a platform, help them. And so patients in that area know there's a doctor there that they can go to now that understands how to do this kind of medicine. And then I did the direct primary care. And, and so really for me, uh, it was a, it was an act of love. And then Tro, I said, I don't want to do it myself. So I was kind of seeing who I want of all the dang people you're not going to pick. It's Tro. He was a loud mouth, obnoxious New Yorker. You know, I'm like, I don't want to be associated with this guy, but you know, that's what was my feeling. And I go, but then I read one day him talking about a tweet that he says he was running on the treadmill and someone goes, and he was 350 pounds. And I saw his story. I go, he's got a great story. This guy, how come he's not doing, it? he wasn't doing anything. I go, how come no one's not interviewing this guy? He's unbelievable. Doctor 350 to, to, you know, running marathons now. And uh, so I reached out to him and, and, but on the, on Twitter, I saw him say, you know, I was running on the treadmill and these guys say, look at that fat guy. He's not getting, why is he here? He's wasting his time. And, and he, and he said, I felt shame and embarrassed and, and like humiliated, wanted to leave. And then he looked down and realized, oh, that's not me. They're not talking about me, but he, he still identified. And that's the thing is oh, those of us who've been overweight, that's, that's what, how we, and I'm like, that's the guy <laughs> because he gets it. And he, and he's tapped into that. So we've toned to throw down a little bit as much as you can tame a lion, but you know, he's brilliant. He's, he's been a mentor to me and, and it's like a God thing. We fit perfectly because I'm the voice of reason. He's the young punk who's wants to go and fight everyone and get things done, but he's brilliant. He's brilliant in his, in the research. He presents something. He doesn't just talk. He knows what he's talking about. He might not do it the same way I would do it, but you know, we all have our own own. I want to be more like Dr. Unwin and, and, and uh, professor Noakes, people who can say the point and not have conflict. You share your view, I'll share mine. And that's why there's podcasts I wanted too, because the, this Life's Best Medicine was like, hey, kid, let me share my faith, but I'm not going to argue with you on Twitter with 20 characters and like, we're going to 
save your life, right? It doesn't, it just doesn't work. But this format, you know, cause I, I tease Tro about that is Tro, Look, you're perfect for a podcast. You're not good for Twitter because you're the Donald Trump of Twitter. You just say what you think and you don't say, uh, how's, how are people going to take this? You're being honest, but you're just saying it in a way where it's kind of tough because what happens is you make enemies and people get upset. And so I can, you and I can fly under the radar more because we're not going to battle. It's like, okay, cool. That's your thing. You know, Zuby like, okay, dude, whatever. Like move on with your life and I'll move on with mine. Let's not fight, you know, because you see people that go at each other all the time. And, you know, and, and, and that kind of speaks back to what you were saying is like, there's people that is a reflection. Zuby said the same thing. It's a reflection on people that they are like that. When someone loses 200 pounds and they go, oh, look, you have that extra skin. That's gross. It's like, they lost 200 pounds. How about saying that is awesome? How did you do it? Teach me. You can be a hope. And, and they look at the negative and, and that you realize they go home and they're not going to be happy. And wherever they're at, they're miserable. And it's a reflection of them, not you. Right. So there was a story I just talked about. The kid with Down syndrome runs a uh, triathlon and he's the first Down syndrome kid to ever do this. It's on, it's on YouTube and someone thumbs it down. I'm like, who thumbs down a great story of someone overcoming the obstacle and doing something great. Well, how do you thumb that down? What, what? So you say, I, I can't be bothered by thumbs down. So I don't look, I, when I, when I do a tweet, I don't look back to see what people say. Cause I know there's negativity. If I talk, but I did know if I talked about faith, hope, uh, uh, God, oh my goodness. People went crazy. Like, why are you afraid of people having faith and hope and knowing God? Why are you afraid of that? Let me believe in my fantasy if that's what you think. So, you know, but then I was like, prove it to me can't prove it to you but so to answer your question i like to go roundabout but that you know that's how low carb md started i wanted to help that one person who's sitting there like lost all hope and life's best medicine to help that one person who's lost all hope it's the, the person who goes look things are never gonna get better there's hope let's do it you know take this step like you when you were lying on your bed that day td jakes gave you hope jesus worked through him to get to you right otherwise you may not have heard it you may have not have opened your bible that day or whatever you don't know but I think it's one of those things where people, when things are going well, we don't reassess things. So I, you know, when you talk about blessings in disguise, I think right now we're reassessing is like, do I want to be staring at my phone all day and not talking to my wife? Because I want to see how many followers I have. It's like, you know, let the followers go if they're not the right ones. If they're the right ones, they'll follow. If not, they go. When I said I was a Christian publicly for the first time, I mean, I've said it on, yeah, I mean, I, I don't hide it purposely, but I said here as a Christian, I believe in faith. And so, and I lost 800 followers in one day. Now that who cares? <laughs> Those are people. If that offends you, then I'm not the right person to follow. Follow someone else who doesn't like God. I'm sorry, but I do. I'm not going to, you know, so I think we have such a fear of man, a fear of offending that we're not ourselves anymore. And it's like, I have to be myself. I can't just, you know, I think if you see something unjust or wrong, then you have to, you have to speak up about it. Or you think, see something that could help someone, even if they don't like the medicine, say, this is the best medicine for you. Right. That's life's best medicine to me. Yes, absolutely. And I think civil discourse and just being able to be authentically who you are is so important. And I think one of the greatest tragedies in life is not living as your authentic self. And one of the questions I had for you is um, the spiritual side of healing. Um, so a lot of your patients, they heal physically um, from their chronic illness, their diabetes. Um, how do you merge the spiritual aspect of healing and the physical aspect of healing in your practice, or do you keep them separate still? You know, it's funny. You know, I happen to be on the, the campus of a Christian uh, college. I'm not one to force my views on people. I really, I'm not the guy who's going to evangelize to everyone on earth, you know, even though that's what I'm kind of doing now. Um, I leave it to the patient and I, I can pick up on it because patients will say, hey, I'm blessed or, or you know, uh, they'll use certain vernacular. 
Um, but I have people that just say, Hey doc, can you pray for me? I'm really scared right now. I'm really sad. So I think that's just, sorry, I get emotional thinking about because I've seen times people going for surgery, doctor, can you just pray for me, please? Like, I don't force that, but people will ask because they know now that I'm vocal about it, like they see that I go to Guatemala on medical trip. So it comes up. That's why I put this on my, on my walls in my exam room. So people go, Oh, you go to Guatemala. Why do you go there? Oh, I go on medical mission trips. Right. They go, Oh, so you're a Christian. And then all of a sudden they go, me too. Right. And then we have a conversation and people go, Oh my gosh, I'm so happy. You know, so, or, you know, whatever my Muslim patients ask me to pray for them sometimes or whatever. I don't care. It's like, Hey, it's, it's a human contact. So I'm telling you and my life experience, and this is why I wanted to do the podcast too, is like, look, I've been in Guatemala and I've seen stomach pain, headaches, back pain, all these things that we see here. And guess what? Their husband's cheating on. When you ask them what's going on, it's not that they just have all these problems. They're stressed, they're depressed, they're anxious, they're clenching their jaw all night so they get a headache, they're getting TMJ, you know, all this stress, tense, worry, you know, they're drinking too much because they're stressed, all these things. And you go, man, this is spiritual. So in Guatemala, we pray with our patients, right? We pray with every single patient that comes through there. And we go, hey, look, you know, God loves you. Here's, here's what we're doing, you know? And, and so there's healing. I've seen people heal the horrible stuff of hatred and bitterness and resentments. And you know, if you listen to my podcast, the one with Mark Hernandez, it, there's a crazy stories of, of stuff that we've seen. And you see that and go, wow, there is, it's not just the physical, the spiritual affects the physical and the physical affects the spiritual. So in your case, the physical affected the spiritual because you go, okay, I'm in need now. I need you now before when everything's going great and you're studying, you don't think about it. So I think most of us, I don't think most people are atheists or agnostic necessarily. They just don't think about it. They're like, I'm just going through life. But now when you lose your job and your 401k goes out and your political leaders are doing crazy stuff, you start saying, well, where's my foundation? So I think that's the thing is when you start looking for me, I know where my foundation is always. I know where, what I base my ethics on. I talk to people, I say, what do you base your, your beliefs on? Why are you a good person? Why? If you don't believe in an afterlife, why? <laughs> so that's why I ask questions because I want to know why. I mean, how do you Where's your moral compass? Because if you live in a certain area, doing certain things may be okay. If you're in a group of people that say, let's attack the capital, seems like a good idea. It doesn't make sense. People of, uh, of faith or people of common sense say, oh, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think we should destroy other people's property. I don't think I need to throw a brick through someone's business that worked hard to make that, right? So I think that's the thing is once we step back and go, what do I base my life on? What do I want my kids to see? Do I want my kids... You know, the way I'd look at Twitter or, or my podcast is like, would I be embarrassed if my mom listened to it or watch my tweets? <laughs> if I would, then I'm not tweeting it. Right. So I think that's how we live our lives in a way we, we can't be hypocrites and we can't be goody two shoes too, but I think you have to call it as you see it and be honest go, look, it's honest. That's how I feel. You may not like my opinion. Sorry. <laughs> I don't want to offend, but that's my opinion. You want me to lie? So I say what you want me to say. I think a lot of us it, more than you would think are in that position right now because of fear of offending someone but for me like if someone offends me i turn the other cheek and walk away and go look i'm like like if someone i don't like certain songs the the i don't listen to it i don't like a movie i don't watch it right i don't like a certain actor because of his political stance or whatever it is i just don't support him i don't tell everyone else that they can't watch him go do what you want to do but for me um i i want it to be like zuby zuby's one of those guys I would let my kids listen to his music. It's a positive message and he's good, <laughs> right? So you go, okay, I like this message. But if he's telling my kids it's okay to take drugs and rape people, then I don't want, I don't want them listening to that kind of music. And you know, they have their own free will, of course, but I would steer them away and go, look, there's an effect. And I know I listened to that kind of music when I was younger. And I thought, why not listen to that garbage stuff about killing police officers? That What's the message they're sending? And I think if we step back and go, yeah, it has a good beat, but the message is terrible. I'm not listening to it, right? And I think movies and... 
news, whatever. If you don't agree, we complain about it. Then we vote the same people in, or we complain about it and we still watch the same shows and go, okay, don't watch it. Then they don't make it anymore. That's my feeling on a lot of stuff. Pornography. Do you pass laws to get rid of it or do you, do you ruin the demand or whatever it is, right? Whatever you're fighting against, you go, okay, let's take the demand away for that because we're, they're giving us what we're asking for junk food. We're, we're eating it or they wouldn't be making it. Right. So all these things we fight against is like at some point, you know, legislation, whatever. But the whole point is you can't really legislate morality. You can't tell someone you can't be racist. They're either a racist or they're not. No matter what the government says, they're a racist or they're not. But life experience, when you know someone who's different than you, you do better. When I can have a debate with you and discuss it, then we could do better. You know, I think we, we all feel that way. You want to be heard and say, oh, I hear what you're saying. I don't agree, but I see what you're saying from your life experience. So you and I are coming from a Christian life experience and you look and you go, okay, I see it differently than you see. I see that as a problem. You may not see it as a problem, but you know, certain things as a doctor, um, I see the impacts, right? So yes, you can do those things, but here's the implication. You could smoke and drink and take drugs, but here's the, here's the, the effects of what happens. That's what you're, you're, we're treating this problem because you can't give up your Twinkies. So I have to give you insulin to get rid of your Twinkies. Sorry, but that's the way it is. If you give up your Twinkies, you, you don't need insulin. So pick your poison. So it's the same thing. Um, life, right? Life and the church. And we, you know, we, we go to church on Sunday. I think we could be mean to people all week. You got to get it. We have to plug in and get that. So in you, I just see this kindness and this decency and, and you want to help people and be kind. I think we, we have that spirit. And when you do, I think we want to see the best in people and we want to hear their point of view and go, oh, okay, I, I, I kind of get where you're coming from, right? Like, like you're an idiot and you're stupid because you did that. You know what I mean? And no one wants to hear that. You're never going to convert someone to your belief to say you're wrong. Why do you believe that? Here's why I believe that. Okay. Because I enjoy that. If it's a reasonable discussion about my faith, I don't have a reason. But if you're going to keep saying, what about the aliens or someone out? I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't talk about that, but I can tell you lives I've seen saved. I've seen, I can tell you that the head of MS-13 in Guatemala used to shoot people and kill people. And now he's a clown helping kids and doing nice stuff and, and helping the old lady across the street. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> you know, those kind of things. When you see that, like there's no greater miracle to me than a changed life, right? That you walk again. Like you will never, you, you, you always appreciate walking. People complain, I got to walk all the way down here. Like I can walk, <laughs> right? When you, when it gets taken from you, now you, you realize it. Yes, that's something that you definitely appreciate when you had something uh, taken away. From you and I, I agree with everything that you've said. And I wanted to ask you another question uh, regarding spontaneous remission. Um, so a lot of patients, um, I, I actually read a book called Cured, um, and the doctor's name I'm, I'm blanking on right now. Uh, but he talked about spontaneous remission. And one of the things that I found so powerful about the book was there wasn't a single dietary approach. There wasn't um, a single exercise approach. It was actually almost a spiritual transformation uh, that somebody had happen in their life. And I was just wondering if you've witnessed that in your practice where someone was diagnosed with a terminal illness and all of a sudden they've had a spiritual awakening with, where they were able to heal anger or repair a relationship, um, go on vacation and just get away from it all and come back and their tumor is gone. Um, have, have you witnessed that? Um, and how do you kind of, um, what are your thoughts on spontaneous remission? Yeah. I mean, you call it healing. I mean, I see healings all the time, right? People get better generally as docs, if we get out of the way, people heal anyways, but miraculous hearing healing. Yes. 
you know, when I was in med school at USC, there was a case this lady had esophageal cancer and they knew it, they had all this stuff. And then they, you know, she, she came and told the doctor, yeah, my, my people prayed for me, it's, it's cured. And they go, ha funny. And then they get the scan, they don't see it. And they go, well, and then they're trying to reason. They go, well, that first one was an overcall. That wasn't really there. Well, you have a biopsy that, with pathology that says it was there. <laughs> what do you mean it wasn't there? <laughs> it was there, you have pathology. Well, maybe it was the wrong, maybe like, because you can't accept it. It's, it's so hard for us because we're scientists. You can't accept those things happening. Um, another, uh, one of my med students, his mom, a very spiritual family, mom broke her arm and she went into the, to the doctor and like, I had x-rays done. They go, oh my gosh, your, your humerus is shattered. It's going to be all this stuff. And, and, you know, go follow up with the orthopedic on Tuesday. They prayed for her. They go through all that. And she goes in and the doctors are, and it took forever. He was gone and they're upset. The family's getting annoyed. They're like, this guy's been gone an hour. This is ridiculous. Like, cause they took x-rays. Her, 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 it was healed. It was all together. Everything was perfect. And the doctor's like, went, he goes, sorry, it took me so long. I went to the hospital. I got out the thing sent to me. I'm looking at this stuff. I see the thing. I'm like, is it the wrong arm? Am I, he, he, he can't explain. He goes, the doctor goes, I don't know. I would have taken you to surgery. I have no idea. If the lady's fine, she never, she healed and it was good. So you see stuff like that. And as a scientist, you go, and that's impossible. Come on now. You're like, I've never seen someone grow a leg back that was gone, but man, I'm telling you there's, I've seen stuff that you just go, okay. There's a guy with a transected uh, spi uh, um, spinal column, right? Couldn't walk. He's in a wheelchair for years. Someone prays for him. He goes, I'm healed. Gets up and walks. So they go, He's healed. Everything go back. Then he goes to the doctor. They do another MRI. It's still transected. <laughs> they go, he shouldn't be walking. Why is he walking? It's crazy. Like stuff like that. You see, it's like, why is he walking? Why is that happening? So yeah, I've seen that. And I've seen just, just crazy. One of the greatest miracles I saw was I, I was in El Salvador and, and basically we were really poor area. And, and, um, uh, that the worship leader had a, a benign tumor in the sinus that was caught. He went blind and one eye was going blind. The other, I was losing all kinds of sensation and, and problems. And this lady goes, doctor, can you help me? I'm like, I'm not a surgeon. I can't help you. I mean, we're medicine. So I talked to my partner. I go, Hey, what, what do you think? Well, maybe we can fly an ENT, but we have to get OR time. And you know, it, it was a hassle. We go, maybe we can get him to Mexico and we could, we're trying to figure out all these solutions. And he, we're like, well, I'll just give her. So she gave me all of his, his MRI scans and all the stuff they had. And I had it in my back pocket. I'm heading down to clinic on the elevator. And there's other ladies there. And she goes, oh, are you the other medical team? I said, medical team, what are you? Ears, nose, and throat surgeons? I said, you're kidding me, right? I go, how about this? I pull this out. I hand it to her. She goes, oh, yeah, we do these all the time. I'm like, really? So we get off the elevator. There's a lady there. I introduce them. They schedule the kid for surgery. You know, they, were, they had another team coming the next week. Cured the kid. I just happened to be the conduit. That lady would have walked right by and went, no, I happened to be the conduit, right? So you go, wow, I was like shaking. I couldn't, I'm like, this is crazy. What's the odds? Cause I don't talk to people on the elevator. And, and the fact that she was on at the same, you know, all those things you go, okay, is that just a coincidence? So things like that, that you see, I see that more often than I see these amazing healings, but yeah, I've seen emotional healings of, of uh, back pain you know, emotional, tense, stressed, like, you know, and, and is that a miracle? Is it? I think so. I think once you're in tune and go, oh my gosh, I've been stressed and tense and worried and clenching my jaw. And now I get a headache every day. I don't clench my jaw. It goes away. Is that a miracle? No, we just figure out what the problem was. So I think there are, there are things where, where there are miracles like that, that happen and no one wants to believe it because it's hard. We think we can't believe it, but even more is the when I see the MS 13 leader, now he's a clown helping people. When I see the guy that was a drug addict, total disaster, 
doing good things. When I see someone like you who couldn't walk and then now you give people hope, those are all miracles. Like we, we, we say miracles don't happen. We see it. You're living proof of that, right? That, but you had to make the changes and maybe God said, okay, you got to change your diet. You're going to have to make some life changes. But now look at you, beautiful, you know, healthy, doing well. And you go, okay, I listen. <laughs> so I think a lot of people just aren't tuned in and aren't listening. I think that's part of it is that uh, for me, th those kind of things happen when I'm overseas a lot. Like the Lord speaks to me and goes, look, you got to talk to this guy about this crazy stuff. And I'm like, really? That's kind of weird. I don't want to. And, and, and then it's always something crazy. I think they'll hear these kind of stories on the podcast. But when it when you realize you go, wow, I just have to be obedient. It's just like anything like you don't notice that car, that that certain car that you buy. Then now you buy a new car and you notice everyone else has that car and you see it everywhere. But before you didn't notice it because it wasn't important to you. And I think faith is the same way. And, and these kind of things were we miss these divine appointments because we're not tuned in. And I think when I'm there, my distractions are gone. Now I see it more because my distractions are gone because we're in a distracted society and we don't see the miracles happening around us because we're looking at our cell phones or we're looking at our computer or seeing what the latest news update is or what crazy thing the, the actors are doing. You know, so I think we miss out on that part because we're not tapping into it. You know, when you're by yourself walking on the beach or, or meditating or, or, you know, hiking or, or helping someone, I think that's when you tune in where God says, you know, see that lady behind you? I think she needs a hug, <laughs> right? And now we're in a society where we can't do that. So we can't do that, you know, because of COVID. And so there, there's a, there's a uh, distraction. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you, this is a crazy thing that just happened last weekend. Uh, I'm at church and, you know, I'm doing this new podcast and I'm, I'm saying, gosh, dang, it's the finances of it. And do I keep doing it? My wife's like, just do it, Brian. God never calls you something that doesn't work. So I'm there and I see my buddy way across. We hadn't talked in a little while. And I was thinking, oh gosh, I would love to talk to him. But, you know, people are talking to him and it was kind of one of those things. And, and I was like, man, I wish I could pray with him because that would be cool because like, I need his guidance and his support right now. And but I'm not going to bug him. And he, he walks across the dang thing all the way over to me. And he never does that. He goes like, Brian, why are you being disobedient? I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm supposed to pray with you today. And you know that. I was like, oh my goodness. And I go, well, let's see. Let's see what I need prayer for. And he prays exactly for what I need prayer for, right? And you go, okay, the odds of that happening. And like, you know, and, you know, on my podcast, I'm going to talk about some of these because the other guy's here and he can, he can cooperate. I'm not just making up stuff. Look, tell him what happened. You know, so that's why I love it because people have experienced things with me that I can't explain, but they were there. And I'll go, tell them what happened, <laughs> right? <laughs> tell them what happened. Tell them this miracle that happened where these people were delivered of crazy stuff and, and anger and bitterness and resentment. And, uh, um, we were part of that, right? If you listen, listen to my podcast with Mark Hernandez, that's, it's worth listening to because it's one of those crazy things. So that's why, and I think, I think that's what unites us is that we, we are united and saying, look, I want to be a decent force and I want to be positive. And that's what I see in you. That's why I wanted you on my podcast and I get to be on yours at the same time because this is what people need to hear that there's good people who've been through stuff and they have tools that can help them. And that's what you're doing. You know, you said, look, I was on my back and that's what I turned to. You didn't turn to CNN or Fox News or whatever. You turned to faith. <laughs> and that's what got you through. So people say, that doesn't work. Well, it worked for you, <laughs> right? It worked for you and it works for me when things are hard. Um, the other thing I just want people to know is, look, when I, I've been into the poorest place. As a matter of fact, I, I'm talking about this guy because I like him and I'm going to have him on the podcast. His name's Brushy One String, right? Brushy One String. My friend goes, you want to hear this? I'm like, some guy with one string on his guitar. I don't want to hear that. It's stupid. And he goes, look. And he starts playing in this little marketplace. Everyone's poor and they're laughing and happy. He's playing one guitar like he has a symphony. <laughs> and he goes, God told me to take my one string and go out and entertain people. He's playing all over the world now. He's a one string on his guitar. He's no Zuby. He's just a one string guitar guy. But, you know, he's a huge uh, 
he wants to be a joy and a light to people. And you see the happiness he brings through his talent, his music, his calling. My calling is that if I was out there singing, everyone would, would throw stones at me, right? Um, so we have our calling and we, we do the best with it. That's what you have. That's what I have. So we say, okay, I'll be faithful and I'll listen and I'll walk out in that, right? People may not like my podcast. It may go bankrupt or whatever. And, but it, at least I did what I was called to do. And if, if it's not meant to be, then okay, cool, right? Because your podcast, you see, you start out with 100 people, then all of a sudden it's 200, now it's 900. And that, then it's that one person who says, you know what? Your podcast saved my life when I was desperate. And I was, I was going to jump off that bridge mid-span. And I heard that one guy give me hope, right? That's what TD Jakes did for you. And that's what I think the beauty is of what we're doing is, is we're giving hope and we're bringing kindness and peace. And that's what it's about. That's what humanity is about. We're not all bad people. <laughs> and we think everyone's out to get us. And we don't want to say hi to the neighbors. And, you know, I love my neighbors. I have a, you know, our dogs play together. We have a, a gate between our houses and we go and sit in the backyard and talk. And, you know, I think there's, that's what we've lost as a country. We've lost that connection. And once we get that connection back, we're unstoppable. Yes, I agree with that. I think that this past year, 2020, was a huge year of reflection and people realizing that they need that connection and that they're hungry for it. And also with, you know, being, you know, home homebound and uh, in quarantine, uh, a lot of the distractions have been taken away and people have really honed in on their intuition. And I think intuition is God's voice and guidance. And we've gotten so far away from listening yeah. to, our, to our intuition and, and acting on it. Like, for example, uh, with you, with that gentleman at church, and I'll have intuition like, oh, I just need to contact this person. And it would be a person that I normally wouldn't have contacted or I would be shy. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to send an email and see what happens. And, you know, 10 times out of 10, you, you were meant to contact that person because either you're a key or they're a key. And that's, that's what truly uh, connects us. And one of the things I wanted to ask you is if you could write um, an RX, a, a prescription for life's best medicine, what would it be? Yeah. You know, I think, I think life's best medicine is, is what works for you. For me, it's faith. I think it's individual. I don't think it's a, it's a, a universal prescription necessarily, but I think finding your place of peace finding your comfort, finding your meaning and stepping into that. I think success to me is people who love their family, that love their friends, that love their neighbors and, you know, can be kind to people that are jerks to them. You know, biblical stuff for me, the Bible tells me when, no matter what they say about Christians, well, I mean, it's emotional. It's funny how this is what happens when the Holy Spirit falls on me a little bit, but you know, it's a, it's when you, when you connect with that person, despite your differences, when you can say, you have a different sexual preference than me or you have whatever, and I can still love you as a person. And I'm like, because I think we get a bad rap that we're out to get everyone and we think we're, we're bigots and that we're, you know, that, that's not true. I mean, it's true to some people, but then they don't get it. If you get it, you know that we're called to love people and be kind and decent and, and make an impact for the positive. And, you know, when we have a chance to throw a rock at someone, not throw the rock and have grace, because for me, I'll tell you that most powerful times is when someone showed me grace or if I showed them grace or someone loved me for no reason or someone goes, look, you're struggling. Let me help you out. I got your back. Like when I started this business, that's what happened. People came around me and go, I got your back. You know, um, an atheist came to me and goes, I got your back. What do you need? Right. One of my favorite people on earth, I got to interview on the podcast and he's the kindest, decent guy. He's like, I'm going to get you one of these days, man, but you know what? I'm going to love you until then. Right. It's okay. And I think that's it. And, and, you know, I think that's for me, life's best medicine. What's your life's best medicine? I think life's best medicine is having 
being empowered to know that every moment is a chance to choose again and that it's okay to live as an imperfect person, that nobody is perfect and you're going to mess up and you're going to have, you know, arguments with people. You're going to eat that chocolate cake. You're, you're going to possibly gain weight. Um, you're going to make a bad decision that could potentially impact you for the rest of your life. But it's in knowing that every moment is a chance to choose again. And one of the most impactful things that happened in my life was um, I lost my dad to a massive heart attack at the end of my first year of recovery. I just started to get uh, the wind back in my sails. And uh, I had talked to my dad every day. I learned so much about him. Uh, we had nothing unsaid. Um, and I was talking to him actually the morning that he passed away. And I went to work. And in the span of 25 minutes, I was getting a phone call from the police chief who answered the call because uh, my dad had had a heart attack. And I was able to get to him in the um, you know, get to him in time. And I had to make a critical decision to take my dad off life support, uh, because they could only work on him for so long before they would have to transfer him to the ICU. And being, um, a healthcare provider, I looked in my dad's eyes and, you know, they were dilated. I knew my dad had passed and I could feel my dad's hand on my shoulder telling me that it was okay, um, to let go. So I made that decision. And in that moment when I was holding my dad's hand for the last five heartbeats. Um, I took a picture holding my dad's hand because I always wanted to remember that. And I realized that life is so precious in that moment. And we take so much for granted that we're going to see that person um, again. And, you know, we treat people so bad. And then in one moment, your whole life could change. I was talking to my dad. And then in a period of 25 minutes, I was making a decision to take my dad off life support and to let him go because I knew that that's what he would want. And I could feel him with me when I was making that decision. And that changed the way that I interact with people. I never um, let someone off the phone if we're in an argument. Um, I always let people know how I feel about them. Um, when I have a chance to empower someone, I do. Um, when I don't agree with somebody, I just let it go. You know, I'm, you know, even if I'm angry, I'm like, do I really want to say this right now? Um, you know, it, it's really made me uh, think of these things. Um, and one of the things I'm so grateful for was having that year with my dad, because, you know, having, having a teenage daughter, it's not easy, you know, for, for a father, we, we would butt heads and stuff, but as I got older, um, and I think that's a lot of thing, a lot of, uh, things that people struggle with is their relationship with their parents and, and just realizing that your parents do the best that they possibly can. Um, and that they are hurt people as well. Um, you know, it, it made a better relationship for my mom. That, that moment changed our lives forever. Um, so I think life's best medicine is just learning that to see the good and just loving one another um, and being brave in that, um, you know, being brave and being our authentic selves and, you know, truly caring for people. And we're so busy and caught up in, you know, all this stuff on social media and arguing and, and bitterness and, um, you know, just flipping out on people and you just never know what someone else, um, you know, could be going through. And it, 
I feel that, you know, coming from that place of empathy, but also protecting your own energy and having healthy boundaries um, is, is some of life's best medicine and just never leaving um, things unsaid. And, you know, I'll tell you, you know, that's, that's true. I mean, as a doctor, I've watched people die and I've seen people get flogged for a week because the family never made amends. Even though dad's never going to come out of that coma, they weren't ready to let him go. Like what you did is you loved your dad and you go, dad, I love you. And you know it. Um, I release you, right? Because I know where you're going and I have faith in that because if people think you're just going to dirt, it's a lot harder to let go because you're never going to see them again and you have no hope. So for us, we have hope that we're going to see our friend again. I have friends I know I will see again, right? So I, I have no doubt about that. Um, if I can make it to where they're at, hopefully, <laughs> but no, I'm joking, but you know, part of it is that, and, and really that what you're saying, I think is so critical. I never leave my house without telling my wife and kids, I love them. Cause I never know. Cause I don't want to regret and go, look, I should have said that. Darn it. I shouldn't have left on a bad tone. Right. I shouldn't have been nasty to that person. So I never want to have that feeling. And I think that is great medicine for people. Cause a lot of people will be convicted by what you're saying. Cause we know it's true that there's people that you go, left on a bad note. I wish that didn't happen. So a lot of times we have a chance to redeem that, but sometimes we can't. And then people end up in the ICU for a month because people, they never made amends because they weren't there for the last 10 years of dad's life or dad wasn't there when they were a kid, whatever it is, that bitterness and resentment is the life's worst medicine. I can guarantee you that. So fighting hatred with hatred and, and angerness with, with anger, with anger, it's never going to win. You're never going to fight that to, to make someone say, oh, they're angry. Okay, I think they're right. <laughs> it's never going to happen, but we do it anyway. So I think you have such wisdom and that's why I loved having you. I love this. Gosh, I wish I didn't have a patient waiting. I'm getting, I'm getting texted every three seconds right now. They're mad at me for being late, but this is important stuff. This is good medicine. This is important. And, and I'm so glad we got to spend this time together because what you're saying is going to impact people. I think both of us have a message and we're united in that. So it's so awesome that we're kindred spirits and that we we see, hey, look, we got your best interest in, in, in mind. You know, we're not doing this because we get paid because we're both paying money and losing money to at least me and the podcast. So I think it's one of those things like, look, we care and that's why we're doing it. You know, we have no ulterior motive other than saying, hey, look, we get we get pleasure and we get joy from hearing those stories. So awesome yeah. time. Yes, awesome time. I Thank you so much. so much. Thank you. Me too. I needed this today too. I mean, this is a great day. I don't want to relive this day for a long time because I've had so much wisdom, so many great positive people and that's, I'm stoked. And, and I think both of our podcasts, because of that, when you're real, I think people see that, you know, and so, um, yeah. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your time. And hopefully we can, we can unite and get these podcasts done at, you know, out around the same time. So I'll do some work on my end. So everyone, you know, be kind, be, be kind to yourselves, be kind to others, you know, go out and live your life. And a lot of this stuff is going to ring in your brain, trust me. And you might want to even listen back a couple of times because you're going to miss some of some of Nevada's wisdom here. So Nevada, do you want to close us? Sure. So I just want to uh, thank everybody for listening today and, um, you know, share with friends that may find value and just know that every moment is a chance to choose again. Amen. Amen. Everyone be blessed. Have a great week. Nevada, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast. We are now available on iHeart Podcast and all of your favorite podcast listening platforms. As always, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. If you're interested in being a guest on our podcast, send us an email, link in the show notes.